is correct. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Moments of Truth, the show about my favorite moments from my favorite things. I'm Bill Coffin, and today we'll be discussing female vocalists. Now, before we get started, just a, a note here. We don't usually do episodes that are gender-specific. As a quartet of middle-aged, cisgendered, heterosexual white guys, we here at Moments of Truth try to be mindful that our viewpoint is painfully narrow. A lot of the media landscape that we reference is made by and aimed at people who are largely like us. So when we talk about the topic we want to dive into for an episode, we try to keep that in mind. So as this topic arose about female vocalists, it was in part because we could all readily name several favorites who really meant something to us, but also because there is a pretty deep imbalance in the popular music industry today that despite signs and signals of progress remains one largely dominated by men on stage, in the recording studio, in distribution, and in critical evaluation. Right now, less than 10% of all Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees are women, averaging only one out of every 10 nominations each year. Around a quarter of the artists booked at the biggest festivals are women. In 2018, Liz Pelly, a writer for The Baffler, analyzed Spotify's most heavily algorithm-driven playlists, such as Today's Top Hits and Discover Weekly, and found that somewhere between 66 and 80% of the songs recommended were all by men. So yeah, sexism is definitely a thing in popular music still. That we'd even think to talk about women vocalists specifically kind of points to that. But we wanted to get into this because all music is both subjective and specific. And all of us knew right off the bat that there was a quality to the female singers we love that is simply different from the male ones. Maybe it's their shared experience that drives their art. Maybe it's the sheer difference in their vocal range. But the bottom line is that each of the artists we're going to talk about in this episode have a power all their own. They defy easy comparisons, and they prove that sometimes the greatest instrument of all is a set of pipes that just won't quit. So, with that plea for clemency out of the way, let's get into it. With me today is Portishead turntable spinner, Chris Crenshaw. Howdy, folks. <laughs> Barracuda victim, Tom Hespos. Woo! Barracuda! And desperately seeking a female Billy Joel, Joe Pace. You better be good to me. <laughs> Everyone, welcome. Now, this episode is going to be one of our patented Thunder on episodes, since there's a lot of folks we wanted to talk about. And before we even get started, I mean, let's just be clear here. There are a very large number of spectacular female singers out there, and we're just going to be able to touch the very tip of the iceberg here in terms of, you know, who are the ones that we like the most, not the ones we think are the greatest. So before you guys send like Swifties to our houses to burn it down, please understand this is very, very subjective. And just because an artist isn't in this episode, it doesn't mean we don't love them too. We just didn't get to them. So heck, at least half of our choices were changed at the last minute. This is true. This is true. I, I agonized over my choices. I, I really, I really did. I, you know, but this is a good exercise for me because it made me realize of my total galaxy of musical artists that I really, you know, easily come to mind. The numbers of them that were women were probably in line with the stats I just, I just referenced, and it was kind of, a, you know, it sort of shone a light on the fact that these conditions have actually affected my listening habits. You know, and I think it's certainly true of music I learned to really love when I was younger, and I got a lot of it through the radio. And a lot of what I was listening to was something that was chosen by some guy elsewhere to just, you know, he was going to decide what I was going to listen to. So I'm kind of not surprised that like a lot of the music that, especially from my earlier listening days, is heavily, heavily slanted. But now things are kind of evening out because there's de decentralized music and it's a lot easier to find artists than whatever it was before. So with that rambling bit out of the way, let's get started here. So we're going to start round one. Chris, you're going to kick us off. Who is your, you know, who's your female vocalist you want to talk about? Who are they? Why do you love them? You know. Bill, like you, I I like way more male artists than female 
I was I, I sang in a male chorus in college, uh, Washington League Lee Club. I hope that not too many of our college friends are listening, but I'll always I'll say that I always like the way that the Glee Club sounded better than the mixed chorus or, or the women's chorus. When I thought about this episode, what I really sort of came to was that for for me everything is about when it comes to female vocalists anyway, everything is about tone. There's so much more variety in in the tone and sound of women's voices, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, first on that list for me would have to be Ella Fitzgerald. She had that that sort of cat-like, just sultry, sexy rower to her voice. It captured me the first time I ever heard it. You know, when I was, I don't know, 15 or whatever. Yeah. And and I, it's one that I, 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 she's somebody I keep coming back to, you know, whatever, whatever she did was just fantastic. And, and, and there's so many artists that are, are so much like her, you know, you're, you're Etta James's and for jazz and blues and, uh, you know, eventually in the soul, she's so iconic. I see fingers up and down your spine, right? Because right? no black magic. What I mean, man. That's an incredible, incredible piece. Like, like what she sings, you fall in love with her a little bit. <laughs> Every time. So here's the thing. Elle Fitzgerald is one of a large number of artists who I know I've, I know I've listened to her. I know I've heard her. I know who the name is. If you said, all right, Bill, pop quiz, name three Ella Fitzgerald songs. I, I, could, I couldn't do it, right? I, I, and, and it's not, it's not it's, it's by no means a comment on her. It's just a comment on, on me and the paucity of, of, of my, my own listening habits, right? And there are these massive holes in my listening awareness, and, and, and this is one of them. So for somebody like me, Chris, what would you say are some of the big like tentpole kind of things that somebody would know Ella, Ella Fitzgerald for? You could, you could just go back to Porgy and Bess. The songs that she sings, they're, they're, not, they're just not current. Yeah. You know, they, but... But she's still huge. I, I, I mean, it's one of those, it's one of those names. You, like, you People have been have been imitating her for yeah. you know four generations. Yeah. Who who would you say is a, is is a current singer who or you know within say the last ten years or so that would be a good example of somebody who's clearly kind of drafting Ella Fitzgerald. In a way, I would say Adele. That's yeah. exactly what I was going to say, Chris. Too. Yep. Okay. I mean, Aretha uh, you know, Franklin came right out of that same. Aretha Franklin absolutely did in a, in a you know, in a completely different way. I mean, yeah. right. that's like a whole different, well, a different voice. It's a different yeah. voice. Yeah. But, but a, a different and a different character and, and style. But but it, it's all about honestly, the tone. All honestly, about the Nora tone. Jones. Nora Jones. Comes yeah. Nora me. Jones is another good example. Yeah. OK. All right. Or yeah, Macy, okay. Macy Gray. Even. To, sure. OK. So a certain like vocal smokiness, maybe. Yeah. That that yeah. see that that as I thought about all this, this is this is how the terms in which I, I thought you know the these, these tones that that smokiness as you say sexiness, yeah, th- that's a big thing that can make me absolutely love a female vocalist in a way that I frankly can't love a male vocalist. Yeah, right, right. So I dig it. Do you have a lot of her albums, or is this like? Oh no, in, no. In it's fact, like you've uh, heard her a lot environmentally. And just I've heard just... her a lot environmentally. I, I I have a greatest hits, and yeah. and it you know gets fairly regular play when I'm on planes. She's just somebody that that shines down the ages. You know, like mm-hmm. like a, a Maria Callas, or yeah, it's like a timeless. Just sound. just 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 a an icon. 
Yeah. When I was in high school and we did a 1940s radio hour through the drama club and I got exposed awesome. to and, and enjoyed a lot <laughs> of cool. like the music from the forties. Right. Yeah. And, and um, you're talking to Andrew's sisters, Tommy Dorsey, Glenn Miller, like all that kind of stuff, which I already liked from hearing it from my grandmother. And a friend of mine had to do Ella Fitzgerald on stage and this poor white girl had to, had to do a version of an Ella Fitzgerald song and she did great. But I was like, I'm going to go hear what this is supposed to sound like. And yeah. It, yeah, it's, it's an unbelievable mix of smoke and sex and dripping to you from the thirties and forties, which you don't right away think of as being like, you know, you think of it being right. kind of buttoned up. Right. But no, yeah. these people, I mean, no, no, no. There was, there was that aspect of that music at the time, just like a real, like a real lust for life kind of, kind of thing. Don't listen to the Andrews sisters. Do, do don't sit under that. Don't sit under the apple tree and tell me that that's not entirely about uh, one last fling before the guy goes to war. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> a big part of, of, of that sound to me is the lo-fi nature of it. You know, the little crackles and, and pops that you get. Yeah. yeah. Um, they they just set a mood uh, yeah. that artists today could have if they chose to, but yeah. you know it, if you do that, it's kind of ostentatious, right? <laughs> they, they, yeah, we don't I, I, we don't I have permission cool, to. Yeah, <laughs> we've cool, got though. lo-fi music though, you know, that, like that's yeah. a thing now, and uh... the garage band stuff and all that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like, like art, it's that's like artificially thing, distressed yeah. furniture. It's like you're just gonna put artifacts back into that's to wash jeans. Yeah, right. Exactly. So, very cool. All right, <laughs> Ella Fitzgerald, awesome choice. Uh, Joe, what is your choice for round one? Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna stick it in, in in sort of a, a, a not dissimilar vein. My my first uh, choice is gonna be Tina Turner, uh, and for some of the same reasons that uh, that Chris talked about, which is that she just sort of exuded this powerful sexuality in her music and her mm -hmm. stage presence. And one of the things, I mean, I love her music. I, I yeah. love, you know, you better be good to me. I, I you know, I love the best. I, I love uh, you know, private dancer, you know, all that stuff. I mean, heck, I even love dancer. We Don't Need Another Hero from Thunderdome. You know what I mean? But like, I dig that song. I, 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 I love that song. It's a great it's song, man. But you got to picture, you know, Tina in that role in that movie. Yeah. Like she essentially played herself, which is this, this incredibly on full blast black woman who has put up with so much crap during her life that she doesn't she's just taking no more prisoners at all yeah, yeah and you know this was a woman who was quote unquote discovered by her you know better half ike who was abusive and just a, a horrible human being yeah and eventually she she freed herself from that situation and went on to be much huger than than he had ever been uh, on her own and her sort of her art was informed by that life experience, right? I mean, she was this, just take no prisoners, get out of my way, wall of sound. And she wasn't the most gifted singer, like her voice isn't perfect, but she uh, had a physical force to it. She could blow people away and she had the stage presence and charisma to go with it. And- Proud Mary, I, man. Oh, oh, I just, I adore her so much. Yeah. <laughs> How can you not? Anytime, I mean, yeah. She's anytime I feel low, if I put on the best, Sorry, I, I can go take out. Yeah, I can take out the trash better than anybody's ever taken out the trash. <laughs> What's funny about Tina Turner is that I first started hearing music on MTV, right? Which is kind of like a whole, like at that point, it was also like a second act to her career, right? Mm -hmm. And when she was starting to do videos, the VJs were like, and the legendary Tina Turner. And I'm like, who is this person? She, you know, and it's like, as a kid, I didn't know why I was supposed to. I was supposed to genuflect before this this artist, right? And she and then she would start singing, and you're like, dang, that, that's something. And it was 
her voice was so apart from anything else you could hear on MTV, right? It was just so, just an order of magnitude more. You almost needed to turn the volume down on your TV when she was singing. It was that, it was that forceful, you know? It's especially in the 80s where she was almost the only truly powerful artist around that time. You know, in the mid-80s, female vocalist, I mean. You know, Aretha was in her decline. You know, people yeah. like that. Janis Joplin was dead. Madonna was still just starting to ascend, really. That's a different and, kind of power. And that's, that's a different, different kind of, kind of thing yeah. entirely, yeah. right? Yeah. I think Chris is talking about just sort of these, like, forces of nature. I yeah, think yeah. Whitney um, wasn't yeah. quite there yet. Right. I, I will say the thing that I love about um, Tina Turner is that she started out her career as being sort of the sex kitten partner, you mm-hmm. know, the whole, the whole bit. And later, like, she was, to your point, uh, Bill, in the 80s, when we started to become so image conscious and so plastic yeah. and, and our female artists began to have to look a certain way. Yeah. Tina was the antithesis of that because she was now moving into her forties and fifties and was still doing, you know, stuff that the girls half her age couldn't do. And it was like, go ahead, MTV, don't have me on. And MTV's like, no, 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 we'll put you on. <laughs> we can, video did not let's, kill. Let's that. Be we can, we can have chain you. mail. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That chainmail suit she wore in Thunderdome was 80 pounds. Okay. So if you want to, you want to doubt yeah. the strength of her, that's 80 pound costume she was wearing. She stood around and did, did all that stuff in that movie. So, dude, Ike we, was heavier than that. She carried his ass. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Love it. Love it. All right. Uh, so, Tina Turner, awesome choice. Thank you, Joe. Tom, who's your choice for round one? So, uh, my choice for round one, I actually challenge you guys to find a better rock vocalist forget female vocalist just rock vocalist in general than ann wilson yeah. who's you know best for best known for being the the lead singer of heart but you know a great artist in her own right and has done plenty of solo and side project stuff yeah. that just will blow you away regardless of how you feel about heart as a band you know not everybody likes them but uh those you know, people are a wrong lot of people today. think they're very ballad heavy, whatever. Like, show me a heart. What's wrong with ballads? Yeah, yeah seriously. Doesn't have yeah. Ann Wilson just like full force vocals in your face. She is just so amazing, can blow you away, yeah. like has that presence to be able to completely blow you away. And and take a look at I mean, Alone is probably Hart's best known oh, song. That that's sorry. again Ann Wilson all over that. So like good. One of my proof points here is like, you remember Glee when that was hot, you know, uh, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, high school musical for adults as my sure, friend sure. Masha put it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Love it. You know, that G-E-D was when they musical. brought in all these great Broadway stars and stuff to try and, you know, yeah. make this music really come alive. And so they brought in Kristen Chenoweth to do Ann Wilson, you know, with, with alone and still couldn't touch her. I don't care what anybody says. You still can't touch her. Not in the same room. <laughs> The real okay. proof point, though, go yeah. back to and watch this YouTube video. I feel like everybody's seen it, but if you haven't seen it yet, go back. to It's like 10 years old at this point, but go back to the um, 2012 Kennedy Center honors where Led Zeppelin's being honored. You yes! want to talk about the most high pressure situation. I don't know anybody in rock who could do this, but like the greatest rock band, arguably the greatest rock band in the world is getting honored by the president. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. And you know, you've got to go and play what's their most well-known song as a tribute to them. And they're going to be there with the president, with all these, you know, heavy hitters in the audience. And you've got to get out there 
Anne and Nancy Wilson went out and absolutely murdered the song. They killed they it. Killed it. Which, oh my which, god. Uh, which song was it? They played Stairway to Heaven. And they did the duet. Great, the greatest thing. You gotta watch the video to get the full effect because like they're cutting back from like watching them play this song, and they're cutting back to see the Obamas, and then they cut back to the stage, and then they yeah. cut back to like Jimmy Page and Robert Plant watching them do their song. And, you know, Ann Wilson sticks to the script for the first few verses, but then when the song really kicks into high gear, they bring this choir out oh, and, awesome. and everybody's like, it's great. But like Ann Wilson is just soaring over yeah. this choir. She yeah. is vocally just kicking the crap out of this song. And you look over and Robert Plant is like weeping. He's crying. <laughs> Like yeah. you know, Jimmy Page is sitting there, he's jamming along. Like Robert Plant is crying. <laughs> you brought the lead singer of the band whose song you're bringing in tribute. You brought him to tears. Yeah, that is how good Ann Wilson. Try is. that hootie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And the other thing is that Led Zeppelin and Robert Plant in particular is particularly um, just demanding on like who he lets do their songs. Right, like he, yeah, they he personally hates anybody else's everything. rendition of that song. Yeah, exactly. So if you're gonna bring him to tears, I mean, come on, no higher authority. And that was that was really, yeah, not. And that everybody should go check out that video. That video is like seven minutes of magic. It's so freaking good. So hey, hey, but but you know, shout out to Ann Wilson. I'm sorry to Nancy Wilson. Oh yeah, because she, you know, she's she's about as good as a vocalist. You, know, she did uh, several of the songs of the original songs for uh, the the film Almost Famous. Oh yeah, right. Um, right. And they are so good. And yeah. and you know, I've heard the original versions where she sings the the vocals, and that's the thing about Heart. I mean, those are they're women singing like male rockers. Oh my god! And there's something a little special about that. Not, it's not so, that doesn't happen a lot. So freaking good! I hear crazy on you, and just something happens. It's just like it just, <laughs> it's just like it's just vocals that come from some other some other dimension, man. They're just fantastic. Oh, they um, had a great, you know, first couple of albums. Like uh, Barracuda is even like one of a song like you know the, the vocals are on, but like uh, you know, uh, Magic Man. Like uh, every oh, time yeah. I hear that, like I'm just like, I'm like, where did they find this woman? She's she's awesome. I, I, yeah. I can't believe her. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 it's it's that's no, fantastic. So, and they were um, doing that back in like the early '70s, like the late really '60s. Work. That yeah. band started. Yeah. Uh, so, so, they, they blazed a trail for like a lot of people, I mean, male yeah. and female. Joan Jet, and yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know. So, so, you know, when I was talking initially about like the imbalance in pop music, you know, and rock music, one of the places where I really felt it was when I was growing up in the classic rock station I listened to, it was, you know, very, very, very heavily, you know, male leaning. And so not a lot of female talent was went, made to my local airways. However, Heart was one of the big exceptions. Heart was always playing. And I just remember I was getting like two different versions of Heart at any given time, right? I, I really have Ann Wilson. It was, I was always getting on the radio. I was always getting the early 70s, like, the you know the barracuda era kind of stuff and then on mtv i began their current stuff you know and, mm -hmm. it was, and it was like two slightly different sounds but the voice was unmistakable and it totally tied them together so you could you're i was kind of getting like a horseshoe effect where i was getting each end of of the band's you know output uh at the same time this was kind of different but it was it was super awesome oh yeah, yeah I, loved no, every I, I got the it. same thing i didn't even realize you know like i went like what, what was it 12 or something when i bought like the footloose soundtrack and there, she does a duet on that with Mike Reno 
didn't realize it was her was like holy crap who is that she sounds fantastic and then like full circle yeah yeah, it's from heart yeah (laughs) i absolutely have uh nothing at all is on my heavy rotation i just i love how operatic it is like i love the fact that it's got like that you know that huge wall of sound that comes at you there's a you know you go through and you go through and it's this sort of ballady ballady and then it hits this almost orchestral score kind of kicks in at one point just for a moment and it's like they only use it for this one moment it's so cool that led zeppelin performance that tom's talking about there's a very operatic quality to it i mean it's like it's like wagnerian it's just it just when it's all full blast it's just like <laughs> i'm just gonna like, pipe yeah, yeah the most high pressure situations i mean jason sure. bonham is playing yeah. with him the son of john bonham you know who's... and was was a great choice tom i'm glad you picked it and it kind of that story kind of segues into one of the reasons why i picked my choice for this round which is miley cyrus right now for a lot of people miley cyrus is not going to be one of their picks for a great female vocalist. She's kind of had this interesting transit as a musician. As I was raising my daughter, we had Hannah Montana on in our house quite a lot. So I remember seeing her a lot as a child star on Disney, right? And then watching her, you know, kind of start her own pop career. And then like Bangers came out in 2013. And she was like, okay, I'm not a girl anymore. I am, you know, a woman who's going to do all my own crazy stuff. Watch me go. And that's, that's when people are like, okay, she's gone off the rails. Miley Cyrus is now, you know, drug addled or nuts or whatever and everybody kind of did that right off that they do so many times to young to young talent which to be fair often happens with young talent right child stars grow up and they kind of they make that difficult transition to adulthood and usually it goes wrong right and that's what people kind of figured what was happening with her when bangers came out she released wrecking ball right i actually think it's a fantastic song i freaking adore it it's a good song it's an all-time earworm song it's it's a really good earworm song. It, it that song kind of underscores my belief that a truly great song you can tell when it's been covered a lots of different ways and it still sounds awesome. And that's a song that's been covered extensively, like on YouTube and such. People have done all these different kinds of like a heavy metal version of it, bluegrass version of it. Listen, if you go on YouTube and check out a, a bunch of guys called the Gregory Brothers. They do like an Appalachian bluegrass version of Wrecking Ball that is to die for, right? But like all these different, you know, versions of it, it kind of speaks to the inherent greatness of the original song. And people love to mean the crap out of her, but it's like Wrecking Ball is a great tune and it, it, and it really holds up. It's interesting because she got adopted by like the mashup community and like lots of DJs will mash up her songs all the time because there's something about her voice and her melodies. They just lend themselves to being overlaid with other songs. And I've listened to a bunch of great like Miley Cyrus mashes, right? But there's <laughs> there are two that are particularly good. One is called Little Wrecking Ball, which is Miley Cyrus versus Mumford and Son, which is again like a country version of Wrecking Ball. And there's another one just called Parties and Bullshit, which is Miley versus Notorious B.I.G. And it's fantastic. <laughs> it's so bonkers, right? She has her own catalog of original material, but she does cover songs like nobody else. Like she did this thing called the backyard sessions for a couple of years. And she was basically shooting little micro concerts in her backyard, right? Just of her covering the songs that meant something to her. She did like Just Breathe by Pearl Jam. She did Jolene by Dolly Parton. And then she did songs that kind of spoke to her influences and then got the influences to come back and work with her. So she did a song called Midnight Sky, which samples Edge of 17. So then Stevie Nicks, who is, you know, the fairy godmother of rock, she came around and so she worked with her and, and they did a remix of it called Edge of Midnight. So it's like the fact that Miley could get Stevie to come back and work with her on her own sample, that, that, there's something there. Like Stevie's not just going to work with some knucklehead, you know? The cover she did and the live performance she did that really, to me, kind of cements her as just like a great vocalist and I really love listening to her. So in 2019, uh, very tragically, we lost uh, Chris Cornell, the Soundgarden frontman, to suicide. Later that year, 
there's a concert just called I Am The Highway, a tribute to Chris Cornell. Cornell obviously was part of, he was Soundgarden, right? But he was also part of another band called Temple of the Dog, which was a couple people from Soundgarden, a couple people from Pearl Jam. And that was all about kind of a tribute to this guy named Andrew Wood, who was a friend of all theirs. He was in a whole separate band called Mother Love Bone. Wood died in 1990 from a heroin overdose, right? On that album is a song called Say Hello to Heaven, which is Cornell's song to his friend Andrew, who no longer with us, he's gone. So they brought out Miley Cyrus to sing Say Hello to Heaven at the Chris Cornell tribute oh, concert. And, pressure, and they bring and, pressure. <laughs> right, and, they, and they bring her out and, and the crowd's like, oh, yay, Miley Cyrus, okay, okay. You know, you could tell like judgments were reserved, right? <laughs> They're like, okay, we'll see. Right? Every ounce of my strength, reserve judgment here, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly, you know. They get into it and all of a sudden, Miley uncorks this performance. You can see the whole stadium, jaws are dropping. She's just like just throwing her, her head back and just belting to the heavens and just rocks out this song and an entire stadium went from total doubters to total believers and like people were just like holy cow miley cyrus is the real deal we can't believe this like she she sang this tribute to him as he's singing a tribute to his guy the margin for error there was razor razor thin but she absolutely like she totally nailed it it's not ann wilson in front of robert plant to be to be fair but <laughs> But it's really freaking awesome, and it's really emotional. That song meant a lot to Chris Cornell. It meant a lot to everybody in the audience that was being sung. It meant a lot to them that they gave this to Miley Cyrus. Like, you better not be wrong about this. <laughs> and it was kind of cool to see that you know, to see that thing happen. So I love a lot of her cover stuff, but um, that, that song in particular I really, I really freaking enjoy. It's really good to see you know, her come into her own. If you saw the Hannah Montana stuff, like it, somebody's got to do a documentary about how – how tough it is to break out of that, you know, you're, you're a little girl with Disney that everybody sees grows up, you know, it's happened to so many, so many yeah. musicians that, you know, it's just like you hit that transitory period where you've got to be a grown up now. Everybody has difficulty with that seemingly, right? Britney Spears <laughs> and then Christina Aguilera. And like, there's a whole huge laundry list of uh, folks that yeah. have had to break out of that. But uh, yeah. it's good to see her. Nat Funicello. Hmm? And that Finicello, and, the, and that the, the Musketeer, <laughs> the original, uh, yeah, <laughs> breaking out of the Mickey Mouse Club, right? <laughs> oh man! So anyway. I will say that I, I can never hear "Party in the USA" and not bop just a little. <laughs> <laughs> sir, sir, it's, a lot of early music. It's you like it despite yourself. You're like, like I don't want to, I don't want to admit to it, but it's it's okay. It's 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 sonically good. Like it's it's good stuff, you know. But but her later stuff, like her vocals have really developed and. Um, and you certainly in, in, in those, those backyard sessions of her, you really hear it when she's trying to like, she's trying on a whole bunch of different styles, a whole bunch of different genres. And you're like, man, she can sing all kinds of stuff. And, and, and she's a, an artist. I'm really, I'm really enjoying her now. And I'm really eager to see where she's going to be in another 10, 15 years. Round two, Chris, you're up. Who's your, who's your choice? My next choice is going to be Shirley Basie. Most of you will remember her as uh, the, the singer of several James Bond themes. Yes. Most notably Goldfinger, Thunderball, I think. And, and she had that that growl to her voice, that that really that really theatrical presentation. So many of the other female vocalists I have really enjoyed, like Beth Gibbons from Portishead, or maybe Ingrid Lucia from The Fly Neutrinos. They they have that presence. I guess there's a bit of sex to it, but that's not really it to me. What do you, what do you even, how do you describe that, that tone? 
Goldfinger. Goldfinger. <laughs> I imagine she it's had like this a vibrato. Big, uh, yeah, right? I like, imagine she had this like big cape with a high Doctor Strange collar, just like swooshing it as she sung. You know, like <laughs> ah, turns around. There's like some mist swirling around her. Like she had this very theatrical aspect to her voice. Yeah, I don't know what she looked like or how she moved. She sang. That's the energy I got. Almost, almost like a little, almost like a, like a proto Freddie Mercury. Yeah. 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 No, there was like there was a there was like a vampiness almost to it that was like just like you know vampiness. That's good. Yeah, it's like you know, haha, dramatic look over the shoulder kind of thing. Like, <laughs> but but there there are so many so many female artists that I like are just like her. You know, it, yeah. uh, uh, Nancy Sinatra is another one. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Although I don't think she can hold a candle to to. Shirley. Oh no, not as a vocalist, but that the sort stylistic. of stylistic. Yeah. 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 And, and if you've ever been to the zoo. And you hear the lion's roar. There is a difference to that sound because you actually feel it as much as you hear it. You actually like you have yeah. a sensory experience with it in the, like in your chest, yeah. and you have a visceral reaction that goes back through you know millennia of human evolution that you should feel a certain way. And the kind of artists that Chris is talking about, I think, is the same sort of thing where you 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 have a a reaction to it that's not even sonic, right? Like it's this, yeah. and, and it's yeah. not even sex. It's more like this physical presence of the of the music, and they. The tonality of it isn't, and Janis Joplin would do this, and it's it's not even that they change tones. It's, there's this, there's almost like a a grind to it, and it's it's tangible, and it's it's really uh, yeah. it's 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 very difficult to to get your arms around and describe. But it's singers like, like Shirley Bassey, they they really do. They have a real foundation to their voice. Aretha Franklin yeah. also had it, you know, like that those yeah, deep pipes that, they from the that give them a yeah. lot of resonance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Micro microphones optional when they go to concert, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? So outstanding stuff. All right, very cool, excellent choice. Um, Joe, who who do you have for round two? Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna go to a, a choice that is is different um, than what Chris was just talking about, but in some ways not. I'm actually gonna talk about Madonna, who was probably the biggest female uh, recording star in the world uh, when I was a kid in the '80s has a discography as long as, as your, as your leg and used her sexuality in a way that she completely owned and was hers. Like she was not defined by her sexuality by others. She defined herself by it on her own terms and evolved with it through her career. Started out as like a, could have been a bubblegum pop, you know, the next Tiffany, Debbie Gibson, but just took it in a completely different direction, largely because she had talent that dwarfed those two professionally trained dancer who understood stage presence, who understood choreography, was kind of like the, the poor man's female version of Michael Jackson at the time when videos and dance were a huge part of it on yeah. MTV and everything. She had she, she very good representation, that. too. Yeah, she understood well, that, too, but she understood they, that like, moment. They, they, she, she, she understood that she had a product to present, and yes. man, did she do it. Yeah, and, and well, yeah. I, I will say, though, what I liked so much about her was there was that. There was the like a virgin in your face kind of very 80s conspicuous consumption type of, of music and sexuality. And then she had a gear that she could drop into. I will never forget, like, one of the biggest junior high dance songs, Crazy For You. If that oh, came yeah. on in a junior high dance, it was go time, right? Like, I've talked about that before, that that was one of those where it was like, no fair dodging, get off the chair, it's time to, it's time to bring your A game. Yeah. And when she, like, breathes the last Crazy For You, it's like, it's a yeah, whole, it's like, miss my shot. <laughs> right? Um, but I'll also say this, um, yeah. as much as I enjoyed her as a, as a performer through her varied and very long career, she was another one of those who defied the sell-by date for female artists and continued to be yeah. relevant beyond when she was just a, 
uh, a pinup girl, if you will. She also dabbled in, in acting and you got a lot of crap because you did a lot of terrible acting. But I think for me, the capstone that made me really enjoy her was I loved her in Evita. I thought she was actually very, very, very I good. I thought you were going to say Dick Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> no, That's good but, Evita, yeah. Yeah, but I, 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 I thought I enjoyed that, her in Vita quite a lot, yeah. The critics were ready to like roast that, but both her, Antonio Banderas yeah. was phenomenal, but she, they were, she was very, very, very good. And I thought displayed a, a, a vocal range and, a, and her charisma was on full display. And I really enjoyed that too. Yeah, for she sure. She's one of those sure. people like, uh, you know, archetypes, you know, who can just reinvent themselves for fun. Like anytime yeah. anything was getting stale with her, it was just like, boom, onto the next thing, onto the next thing, onto yeah. the next thing. And she just kept that going and going and going. It wasn't like she reinvented the, you know, the expiration date, if you want to call it that, Joe. It's just she just kept refreshing everything yeah. about her and coming up with new and cool stuff that just like nobody had seen before. That's what I loved about her. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Plus Crazy Plus, for You, which was a great, you know, middle school, high school dance song. You know? <laughs> that was an epic slow dance song. <laughs> if, if, if you ever want to see a, a piece of a video she did, Joe, you're talking about her acting. She was in the series of short films that BMW created some years ago called The Hire. It was a, mm. a series of action films starring uh, Clive Owen to kind of, you know, sort of, you know, sort of show off the various BMW cars. And there's a short... These are great. Yeah, they're so good, right? And there's one that she stars in. It's, it's just called Star, and it's directed by her then-husband, Guy Ritchie. And right. she plays, like, the evil version of herself, and she basically it has to get across town to a venue. She is being hounded by paparazzi, and she decides she 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 wants a car. She wants that car, and it's and it's, and Clive Owen is like, you know, sorry, mom, can't drive it. She's like, get just get your keys and let's go. And you realize the whole thing is a setup by her manager to get revenge on her. And this this like getaway driver just a stunt drives around London all day long, and you just see Madonna <laughs> bounced around the back of the car. And she's like, and like he finally hockey stops and the door opens. She goes flying out, like runs like rolls across the red carpet. It's just it's just hilarious, and it's like it's like. And the stunt work is hilarious, but I thought it was really kind of cool because Madonna was like deconstructing her entire image with this, this little right. like, kind of big with folk in front of herself. And I think it's always amazing when somebody's so big that they can still stop and just go, you know what? They can actually puncture their 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 legacy a little bit just 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 for for a kick. That requires an, an awful lot of confidence. I think, and one of the things I always really loved about Madonna and her music is that it was brimming with confidence. Like she knew exactly what she was looking to do. And she was always in the driver's seat. And I really dug that about her in a big, in a big way. She also didn't shy away from social controversy for a variety of reasons. Right. Well, um, you know, yeah, I, I saw Madonna live some years back. I was annoyed by how political she was during her show. But in retrospect, I'm a jackass. I mean, she was singing songs. About everybody was a jackass. <laughs> yeah, more or less. Yeah. I mean, she was singing songs about like abortion and yeah, other yeah, stuff, yeah. like um, as the yeah. biggest. Like a prayer is my favorite song of hers, in fact. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just so. her name. I mean, do you remember when she first came out and everybody was like, "Madonna, how dare she? How dare she? Oh my god!" <laughs> and she dressed the Madonna whore. Yeah. I mean, like, I, the Madonna I was whore. in a really Catholic yeah. area too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, me, no, me too. I was. Like, yeah, no, that was like I, I dig the reaction because like she's getting it out of these, you know. <laughs> Catholics are losing their mind. Like, exactly. Went, Bonkers. Yeah. yeah. Oh, just a couple of years later, they were going to lose their mind uh, protesting the passion of the Christ. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, yeah. She's like, I'll, I'll warm you up for it, guys. No, it was, it was good stuff. So, Joe, awesome selection. Thank you. 
Tom, who, what's your pick for round two? So I don't know when this is going to run, but as we're recording this, uh, we lost Ronnie Spector, unfortunately, about a week and a half ago. She was a pick of mine because, well, I mean, Joe, you want to talk about Wallace Sound. She was, you know, for a time married to Phil Spector, who invented the Wallace Sound, yep. you know, a, a horrible and awful human being who did bad things to Ronnie Spector's career and to her personally. But um, that she was got the a guy flight, who came up with that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> right. like, he basically kept her a prisoner in the house yeah. for yeah. You know, m- most of their marriage and yeah. stunted her career forbid her to perform and it makes you think about like what you could have seen from ronnie speck how much bigger would she have been had that not yeah. happened to her folks from our generation like gen x we you know typically you know ronnie specter from like around the holidays you hear her sing a lot of christmas a lot of the christmas songs you hear on the radio like it's versions that she did with the ronettes that are just classics the dirty dancing soundtrack you might have heard like you know be my baby a few yeah take me home that. tonight yeah and then you know the eddie money song where she was on uh take me home tonight and she guessed it on that and you know referenced yeah. herself basically in the be my baby uh song you know like uh early on that was like really yeah. their first big single when you heard her and like again this is i think this goes back to some of the stuff that like chris was talking about like and you have um you know, the production of that, you know, I, I hate to give credit to Phil Spector because he was such an awful human being, but he invented that kind of wall of sound thing where there were doubling parts and like really established yeah. the use of like the studio as an instrument. You know, one of the first mm-hmm. big like producers to be able to like add so much to the sound, but like you didn't really need to do much of it with Ronnie because she was just, just go back and, and listen to some of the vocals. I mean, um, you know, Be My Baby, of course, was like their first single and probably their most you know, famous song. But, you know, I, I would go back to like listen to like Walking in the Rain or like, you know, one of their other hits. And, and just the vocals are absolutely killer. I mean, she's one of those yeah. people who can just belt it out. You know, I, I just I love that sound like that established that whole like, you know, girl groups of the 60s things for me. This is like songs my dad used to play in the house when well, I was a kid. Yeah, well, right. <laughs> loved it. You know, I just, just absolutely loved it. It was such groundbreaking and such, you know, establishment, you know, of, of that as a thing from which a lot of other girl groups came and like the Supremes. Yeah. Like, and God. yeah. Yeah. You know, she was a contemporary of like the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. Like everybody forgets how, you know, part of music yeah. history she is, you know, like you hear like Keith Richards talk about her like all the time. Like she was there when all that stuff was happening. Like the Rolling Stones opened for the Ronettes. <laughs> like that's, that's <laughs> really musical history. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I just wish we could have gotten more of her, especially with that, you know, situation she had with her marriage where, I mean, yeah, basically she was a prisoner in her own house. Like what could have happened? She how needed Tina more, Turner to come over there. And and gotten <laughs> out, yeah, right? of, out of her. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like Ella Fitzgerald, Ronnie Spector is one of those names that I know the name I know I should know it better than I do. Have a kind of a passing familiarity with with the sound. I probably know her best from Taking Me Home Tonight, actually, which is which is unfair to her because she's a she's a walk on in that song. It's not really her song. That, that's not what I should be knowing her for. But um, I love conversations like this because they're a great reminder that there are some really great things out there. There's as part of my cultural literacy, I should be more familiar with. So I will make sure 
I spent some time and get to know Ronnie Spector's uh, sound a little bit better, especially uh, just to honor her passing for sure. So take me yeah. home tonight was like the first sampling song in a way because <laughs> she, she redid that vocal, but that is just, it's a, it's a repeat of what she had done before. It's mm -hmm. practically a sample. <laughs> really cool. Excellent. Tom, great choice. I'm going to round out round two with, uh, I'm going to pick Alanis Morissette. I remember her from You Can't Do That on Television when I was a little kid watching Nickelodeon, you know? And I missed her when she was going through her early, like, Canada's answer to get Debbie Gibson sort of, you know, singing in Maul's phase. Then she kind of, like, landed on the scene like a dinosaur, like a meteor amongst the dinosaurs in around 95 or so with uh, her third album, Jagged Little Pill, which is like a complete reinvention of her as an artist, as a person, her sound. I mean, you could not, you, I mean, there was nowhere you could go in the second half of the 90s and not hear Alanis Morissette. And specifically, and specifically, this particular album, this album was everywhere. And I heard, gosh, all I really want, you ought to know, hand in my pocket, you learn, head over feet, ironic. Those are probably the, the really big songs that came off that album, and they were everywhere. They were all, they were omnipresent, and I never got tired of them. I loved her sound. I loved her voice, a very unique kind of weird, it's like a, like a weird lilting, keening wail kind of her voice. Like there a lot of her, like there's like a weird little upturn at the end of a lot of her her her, her sentences. But the thing that really got me, especially with Jagged Little Pill, is you know Chris, you talked about how much of a knucklehead you were in 1990. I was the same kind of knucklehead, man. Okay, like I, you know, and this album in particular landed for me. I was just one or two years out of college. I had a whole lot to learn about how the real world, you know, works. I had grown up in this crazy conservative bubble and was just not seeing a lot of things the way I see them now anyway. And I remember thinking like, man, like she's just so angry. Why is she, what, you know, like, like what does she have to be so angry for? She's a big rock star. Why is she so mad, you know? And then my heart got broken pretty bad. And I started to understand the first inkling of, oh, you know, but even then it was through a, 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 a guy's eyes. Like she was speaking to a lot of women who, and there's a lot of shared experience in her music there. And she was kind of venting, she was a woman openly venting her rage at a time when it still wasn't really allowed. And she was just doing it fearlessly and openly and honestly, and just kind of laying her soul bare about a lot of stuff. And there was something really cool and strong and courageous about it. Even if it was the sort of thing that I couldn't really access and it wasn't really aimed at me, you couldn't help but see it and feel it as you listen to it. And I liked it a lot. And it, it actually opened a lot of doors for me in terms of how how I listen to music, the kind of music I listen to, the kind of people I listen to, how I listen to people. And this is one of those albums that like it, it hit me right just at the right time when I realized, you know what? Maybe the way I've been looking at things isn't the way I want to look at them. And I was in a place where I was like reevaluating a lot of things in my life. And I'm like, you know what? A, a little something comes along in your life and has a disproportionate effect on you. This album had that on me, I have to say. But it, it also started a, a long time. Like I really enjoy her sound. When she comes out with something new, I enjoy listening to it. She's just a great, a great vocalist. I, I remember like the first time I had heard uh, "You Ought to Know." Like, yeah, it was the same situation, Bill. Like, just out of college, you know, still trying to figure it out. Think, think about like all like the breakup songs you've heard from like the female point of view. Like, nothing, you know, it's 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 always like, oh, my heart is broken, bloody bloody blah, you know. And then this thing comes along, and it's like yeah. a breath of Jolene. because yeah. it's like, yeah. wow, she is yeah. angry. She is putting it like out there as far as like really how she feels like and, yeah. and just being completely unapologetic about it. And yeah. that was the breath of fresh air. Like I, that song yeah. hooked me. And then I'm like, 
bought the album, realized like every other song on this thing is a potential hit, and sure yeah. enough, we were. You know, it was crazy. Yeah, I think like six yeah. top tens, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. it was crazy, you know. Yeah, yeah, I mean no lines like I'm sure she'll be a really excellent mother. Like, wow. Like there was sarcasm going on in here for days. Like she was I never heard that before. And I was like, that's awesome. Like I just I, just, I really dug it, you know. I was I was midway through college in uh in when that came out at a time when i was surrounded by by women that were rightfully angry about a lot of things and um and that landed <laughs> with them and you couldn't go anywhere without hearing it right. um and it was sort of i, I kind of i shelved her in kind of a place alongside artists like liz fair uh nazi star and there were there were a variety of sort of women artists that came out and were like we're not little sex kittens we're a whole different animal and you can't handle the you know what we bring yeah and it was it was sort of this rage rock that that started to come out from these these female artists and it was sort of a you know there was a a, a very distinct uh era for that and she was probably the the uh most prominent of them yeah but, but you know what the funny thing is though my favorite song of hers is a song that for a while it's kind of hard to find it's um there's this uh, relatively crappy movie that Nicolas Cage and Meg Ryan did called City of Angels, but she did this song in the soundtrack called Uninvited, which is this like piano-driven, haunting, like just this celestial kind of song that you just gotta look it up. I think now it's on like one of her best of albums, but it was never attached to any one of her one of her actual studio albums. But uh, Alanis Morissette's Uninvited is like her on full blast, and it's just it's just it's coming from a totally different place, and it's um. It's oh, it's just it's so that song gives me chills every time I listen to it. It's got a huge like orchestral uh, string section to it at one point. It's just like, good lord! It just it's so it's so freaking good. I adore it. I, I forgot Fiona Apple was the other one I wanted to mention. Who I, I sure having that same in that same thing. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Jagged yeah. Little Pill though. I, I, I gotta say it, it. It had such a voice, like you were saying that yeah. it really was powerful in its moment, and it made. It, to me, it made Alanis Morissette seem like not like a sex symbol, but like a girl I might know, you know, like like somebody I might have hung out with. She's kind of unique in that in that sense. I don't know she speaks to dudes in their own language, I guess, in a way. Uh, edit this out, maybe. She gave a lot of people voice and gave a lot of people a sense of like, yeah, you know what? We're not having that and just pow, backhanding that sort of stuff away. And um, like I just remember that that effect was tangible, and I was like, "All right, like okay, this is this is something I it was it was a good wake up call to somebody like myself, like a real yeah." She was a voice to me too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, you know, and 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 I'm I'm grateful for it. Like I'm really like it's it's one of those a, a bunch of things happened in that time of my life that kind of take me from where I had been and kind of pointed to me to where I would go. Moving on to round three, Chris, uh, who do you have for your pick for round three? When I was uh, in I was fourteen or fifteen, my mom was dating this guy from philadelphia owned a business um he, he's italian and well you know his business might have maybe maybe have been like a, a money laundering front for the mob <laughs> i love the story already what's with and, the self-incrimination this episode what a- yeah <laughs> and, statute of limitations time. Look, yeah. mobsters don't listen to podcasts um, <laughs> But words to he, live by he, he, to have to be known by <laughs> he took he took us to this italian restaurant in philly one night and you know it's just one you know one of these you know, like long you know or deep skinny restaurants you yeah, know, city yeah I know restaurant, you know yeah he sat with and, his back to the wall 
and, and we're in a booth and, and with her back to the wall is uh, this woman singing and, and she is a baritone. I mean, wow. she had the deepest, like yeah. the deepest woman's voice I'd ever heard. I, and, and, and she was awesome. She was just great. You know, like just some local talent that that uh they were they were just featuring you know at dinner time on a saturday night and it it just struck something with me years later i'm listening to or i'm watching i'm watching daredevil on on netflix the uh the netflix marvel universe and i think it's in the first season there's a, a scene where matt murdoch meets uh his buddy in a bar to, to talk about uh, what's going on. And there's this song on in the background called uh, Only For You. And it's only in the background. It, it's not, not super loud, but I got obsessed with it. I kept like rewinding to, to, to listen to it again. And, you know, I, I spent some time Googling to try to figure out what it was. And uh, I found this band called Heartless Bastards. And a vocalist called Erica Winterstrom and she has the most amazing deep like manly woman's voice I absolutely love it I I she gives me chills it, it's not it's not a sexy thing it's it's like she's it's an Ann Wilson thing she she reminds me a lot of Ann Wilson she's got that you know, I can sing a man's song like a man, just that that sort of uh, and and that's just a really neat feature. Uh, nobody else has probably probably heard of her or this band, but uh, go listen to that song only yeah, for we'll you. Do. It's on the on the uh, album Arrow, and it's so good. <laughs> the whole album's great. I Chris, one more time. Stuff I've never heard of before because yeah. now I got to write this down and, and check. Yeah, it out. yeah. So, Chris, one more time. The song is what. The song is called Only For You. The band is Heartless Bastards. Heartless Bastards. The vocalist is Erica Wennerstrom. W-E-N-N-E-R-S-T-R-O-M. The, she, she can convey so much emotion in a rock song. Yeah. It's the kind of thing that uh, only very, very, very rare mo- male vocalists can do. Yeah. Um, she, yeah. she's the kind of person that makes me question my ears sexism. <laughs> we still right, have to do the, the the moments of truth uh, Spotify playlist, right? So that's you know, yeah. Still oh my gosh, we really really should. Doing, so. Yeah, yeah, we do. <laughs> that's so. one that we could add. Yeah, that'd be excellent. Excellent. All right, Chris, awesome choice. Thank you, uh, Joe. Who is who is your pick for this round? Mid to late nineties. After I got out of college, my musical taste kind of had calcified. And I wasn't really open to new stuff. I was listening to things I had enjoyed in high school and in college. And, you know, you're getting out, you're getting a job, you're getting married. And I wasn't as open to new stuff. And around 2001, 2000, around 2002, I started dating my, my second wife, my now wife, and started going to like, you know, parties with somewhat younger people and, and, and you know, listening to more different stuff. And um, I started hearing this very different sort of sound than I had heard before. It was exotic. It was sexy. It had this flavor to it. I felt that the, the music in the early 2000s had kind of a banality to it in some ways. It was overproduced. It was, I, it didn't speak to me, right? When I heard Shakira for the first time, I was like, this is something different. What, what is this? I am, I am, I am here for this. Yeah. 
Um, and I, I went on, I remember went online and I watched some of her videos and I was, that was a whole nother part of it. And I was just like, this is crazy. I just, I absolutely fell in love with her sound, with her, uh, with her personality, with sort of the, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it was sexy, but that was, that was, almost, sec- that was almost secondary to the, the fact that it was, uh, it was just so different and so much fun. And I really, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed uh, Underneath Your Clothes, wherever, whenever, wherever became songs like that are part of the soundtrack of me dating my wife. And I think that mm. that uh, gives them a special place um, in, in my catalog. But, you know, even now, you know, Hips Don't Lie. I mean, some of the later stuff that she came out with, she's just she's an amazingly charismatic performer. She's yeah. very talented, yeah. both, both, you know, singing, dancing the whole bit. And uh, I just I love her stuff. What I really like about Shakira is that she opened this door into here's a glimpse as to what Colombian music really sounds like. It's like she hit it big internationally, but she never like turned her back on where she came from and was always very in touch with that. And like when you talk about like world music and that sort of thing, she kind of embraces this notion like she is she's kind of almost I don't know. She just kind of crosses borders so effortlessly with her sound. And I just I really I really dug that when she when they tapped her for the to sing the theme song to the. I think it was a 2010 World Cup, maybe, and she did the song Waka Waka, right? You know, this time for Africa. Dude, that song was on rotation in my ears for like two <laughs> years, man. I freaking love that song. That song is a banger. I love it so freaking much. And uh, we would put it on like workout mixes, like like here, like, like, like high cardio, let's go. Like Waka Waka. <laughs> this is the best. It was so good. <laughs> You know, like when, like, uh, was it Zootopia she, she was in? Yeah, she, yeah, she was, yeah, she, she, like, she was I mean, Gazelle. Yeah, in, yeah. in Zootopia. Uh, she, yeah, Joe, she's, she's married to a professional soccer player. Gerard oh, Piquet. perfect. Gerard <laughs> Piquet from Barcelona. Oh, really? Uh, I'm kidding. I didn't know she mm-hmm. oh. And she's in Mensa. She's a fellow nerd. <laughs> is she really? She might be able to have her. I did not know that. Yeah, that's fantastic, that. man. Oh, I love it. That, that's awesome. That's awesome. There's music that you like just because of what it does sonically, but also it's where it lands in your life and it becomes part of the soundtrack of a specific thing. And so it takes on a whole unique quality. So like, even if you got tired of the sound, you never get tired of that song entirely because it reminds you of something that's very special, right? Absolutely. I mean, I, I was driving down to, uh, my wife was at Tufts at the time and I was driving down, I had a 45 minute drive to go down to see her. And I made this is when we were still making like mixes on CDs. Remember those days? Oh, yeah. uh, burning CDs and that kind of stuff reminds me of, of that trip and, and sort of uh, feeling good again after I had had a bad experience in my first marriage. And then, you know, uh, yeah. feeling optimism again. And I, I associate it with that that sense of fun and hope and, and, and all of that. So it's special to me in some ways because of that, too. That's an awesome choice. Love it. Tom, who do you have for round three? Got to talk about Janis Joplin. We do. Yes. <laughs> in, in a lot of ways, I think she's, be wrong she's not to. more of like a, a counterpoint to, you know, some of my other picks because uh, you know, I love natural talent. When, when you listen to Janis Joplin's voice and like the cards she was dealt as far as the pipes are concerned, like she doesn't have that classically, you know, beautiful female voice her voice is raspy it's different from yeah. you know most uh amazing. here but you know what a little bit of soul goes a long way and she is a yeah. master of that like uh, she can sing the blues she can uh you know her her just the, the dynamics in her voice chris i think this was the the thing you were struggling for before like her dynamics like she knows when to be sing those low and, and quiet parts and then she knows when to just boom turn it on and and she'd have been a star in the 30s too oh, yes man. yeah she so would have great been. i love you know like 
even if you listen to some of the stuff that she's most she's best known for like listen to like me me and bobby mcgee love that like, song you know it's a great yeah. song because the dynamics again you know she started singing something like from the heart and then boom when she needs to like really nail it and and that song kicks into gear and it gets faster like she's right in there and and and, and you know they're belting it out and and i i love that about her i love that uh you know she was kind of doing her own thing it's the blues but but, you know, they may have called it uh, psychedelic, uh, you know, whatever back in the day when she first debuted. And it's the blues hooked up with that kind of, but it was the blues. Yeah. <laughs> Just call I, it what it is. It's yeah. And, and look, yeah. you know what? Blues people smoke weed, too. But, you know, you know, Janis Joplin had a fight against an enormous amount of sexism, though, to get her career oh, yeah. to where it was. I mean, she was like. I mean, I, 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 she just, she just had to deal with it a lot, and you know, I mean, she died tragically young, but I mean, she was definitely like fighting upstream uh, in terms of just, you know, what everybody around her wanted her to be, and wanted what, wanted, you know, what they wanted her sound to be, and what they expected from a woman in performance, and and all that. She just kind of just, just sort of, you know, brushed yeah. it all off and kept going. Uh, uh, you know what, though, Bill, I, I, I feel like Janis Joplin may be sort of like the the watershed, the peak where women maybe had to suffer that a little bit less because everybody before her had maybe, well, probably had it worse. Hmm. You know, your Tina Turner's, your Ronnie Spector's, your Donna, your Donna Summers, I bet, you know, it's, it's hard to even imagine the demands put on female entertainers in the late sixties, early seventies. I mean, sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, it goes on and on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's really an ugly thought Janis Joplin to me represents a watershed in that like after her things start running a little more downhill you know you you get your Karen Carpenters and (laughs) yeah the the thing about her that like really I think was more inspiring for for me was like her story of like you know her early like family life she didn't have like the greatest life growing up the way that she talks about, uh, you know, being in, in Texas and then like just deciding she wanted to go to California to really kick things up with the singing career, you know, she, it was like she was born in the wrong place and, uh, you know, needed to fight back against a lot of the hate and the stuff that was going on in the place that she grew up and just wanted to be more part of a more accepting type of society and so she just packed up and left and you know took Gotta a lot respect of stuff that. with her and i i, I love yeah. that you know Much shows a lot of courage yeah. and, it's a rock and roll know, story there is right? there is a lot you know like of adversity in her music and and you know yeah. it's genuine and then i love it <laughs> yeah yeah no I, I, it's, it's a great pick thank you um she's genius yeah she really is she really is the pick i've got for this round is i'm gonna go with annie lennox um, who is one of my very, very favorites. <laughs> I remember one time I was in college and I was talking to a friend of mine who was a, a big piano player. He played a lot of soul and that sort of thing. And, and I, cause I was so, I was so, I was so white bread and so square. I'm like, so what exactly is soul? Right. Um, <laughs> what is it? rhythmic? Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, and he sort of explained it to me and I was like, I was like, I was like, is it possible for like, you know, a white performer to have soul? And without a, without a pause, the guy just goes, Annie Lennox. Right. <laughs> I was like, ah, now I understand, you know, there you um, go. And, and there you have it. So I, I knew Annie Lennox, like, again, like there's so much music I, I was exposed to for the first time strictly through MTV, right? Like my, my local radio was very much classic rock stuck in that mold. 
anything outside of that was something I picked up through MTV. So I got to see her whole catalog, like, you know, there through the Eurythmics, you know, doing her androgyny kind of thing, but just rocking just a ton of fantastic singles, like just uh, just one after another just kept dropping. So we're talking Sweet Dreams, of course, There Must Be an Angel, uh, Here Comes the Rain Again, Sisters Are Doing It For Themselves, Who's that girl? Would I lie to you, missionary man? It, it was like it was like Walking every on broken three... glass. Yeah, yeah, right. It was That's like... the one. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what happens? She splits more or less and goes off on her own. That's when you get like Annie Lennox V two, and that's where it really starts killing it for me. Yeah, that's when you start getting things like Walking on Broken Glass. Why? No more I love yous. Holy crap! Mm-hmm. I love yeah, this. No more I love yous goes through me. That song's a ton of bricks right there. Yeah. Uh, ju- <laughs> right, it's just a ton of bricks. So that one is the that's the counterpart to me also to another song which she did for the Bram Stoker's uh, Dracula soundtrack, which is Love Song for a Vampire. Holy moly, that song is like an arrow in my heart. I mean, it just at the, at the it gets to the end. It just like all comes in. Very, it's very Eurythmics leaning. It's very synth heavy, but it kind of speaks to like the the song she's gonna produce later on, and then like. Some years later, um, she uh, she did that great, 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 great song at the end of Return of the King, uh, Into the West, which is this beautiful, beautiful. I, I, I just I just loved it so much. It was, it's just great stuff. So anyway, she's one of those artists where I've never owned one of her albums. I just encountered her just environmentally so often that I just I just grew to love her music. And I was always like, I don't have it's like I could just count on wherever I went. I was going to find any Lennox music waiting for me. And I was kind of very glad for that, you know. And uh, I just loved her sound. I loved what she was all about. She was actually one of the first artists I started to follow who I became aware of their activism. Like she was really, she was really into HIV awareness and just a bunch of other, you know, progressive causes. And I kind of picked up on that. And I, I really started to, this is right around the same time, like my larger political view started to shift pretty, pretty tectonically. And again, you know, you know, you know, you know, just, you know looking at her and, and, you know, seeing the things she was getting involved in and asking myself why that, why that matters. And, um, and it was, it was really cool. So I, she's, but she's an artist. I still really enjoy hearing her. She's just got a voice that, um, can part the heavens and, uh, man, she's just fantastic. Like on the smallest scale, Annie Lennox, she did, uh, a cover with Al Green of put a little love in your heart, uh, for the, for Scrooged, which is my favorite Christmas movie. And it was a big hit. It was so great. And uh, yeah. like, yeah, Annie Lennox has soul. Yeah, right. <laughs> she's singing with Al Green. Yeah, right. You have to. <laughs> That's a Chris, Chris just took right my there. entire comment. I, I, like literally, I want to like do like an ibid, like see above, like everything that Chris just said. I absolutely adore that movie. <laughs> song. Um, I, I also um, the thing I love about Annie Lennox too is that, uh, and Chris, this is something you probably appreciate. There's a group of uh, an acapella female group at the University of New Hampshire where I went called the Notables, and I think like half their stuff was Annie Lennox stuff. It was like you know, Sweet Dreams, yeah, you know, all that. I mean, that was like on their heavy playlist and we all enjoyed it because yeah. there was, I mean, it was made for, you know, 11 women in green sweatshirts to sing and, and <laughs> just, it's fantastic. You know, I'm here, I'm here for it. <laughs> Joe, I, I, I always liked Annie Lennox because she was someone that I could sing. <laughs> well, yeah. Right. Her, her, I, I mean, her range is, is, is definitely much lower, but I mean, it's got your rhythmic style anyway. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but there's, there, there's this gravity to it. There's a base to it. That is, I just, Oh man, just love yeah. And such a, I think the other thing I like about Annie Lennox too is that she comes out of the she's like the flip side of the the David Bowie androgyny coin. That her presentation was one of like, look, not just guys can be androgynous, women can do it too. Absolutely incredible. And I think that was a really neat uh, part of her uh, of her presentation and her personality. She enabled yeah, sure. Grace Jones. Well, nobody's perfect. 
Stop. Whoa, stop. It was a joke. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I just know Grace Jones will show up and kill you. That's the thing. That's true. Man. I'm fearing hey, for you, man. You roll okay? the dice. That's cool. You roll the dice. That's cool. <laughs> like, you play with your own life, okay? I'm just saying. I, I just, I just, you're a friend, and I don't want something bad to happen to you, okay? I saw what she did in Conan the Destroyer, okay? She's not. I couldn't let Chris here. do all the self-incrimination in this episode. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, look. Before we get to the uh, the final thought, let's do a quick honorable mentions because as we were, you know, kind of putting ourselves together for this episode. This is one of those topics. It's like it's like do a book report on Asia. It's just so big you can't capture it all. But I know a bunch of us had a bunch of other acts and other you know artists we were thinking of including and we didn't for some reason. So just real quick, Chris, what are some of the honorable mentions that you had in mind for this episode? I'm too young to go with Patty Smith, so I'm gonna go with Kate Pearson of the B52s. Ooh, good one. Okay, that's a sound, man. She had a yeah. sound pipes. Love her. Yeah, for sure. Anybody else? So, uh, Joe, who do you who do you got for honorable mentions? Uh, I gotta say, Joni Mitchell. That's a good I, I think yeah. that there's just there's a smoothness to her stuff that I absolutely uh, adore, and she has a place sort of in the music firmament that yeah. I don't know that anybody else inhabits. So, once again, this is an artist who I know is legendary. I have heard the name. I know to respect it, but I couldn't actually place the songs for which this artist is known. So, what's one or two Joni Mitchell hits that a, a square like me should go seek out when I'm trying to? get some, some oh god i gotta pull the one i it, it's environmental to me and I, I i don't like have her disc i don't have her stuff on you yeah, know what yeah. i mean it's no i'm with you like, yeah. Johnny mitchell is one of those people you're thinking yeah. of a yellow taxi i think both sides now is the is the name of the song i'm thinking of i've looked yeah. at love from both sides now and it's about an aging woman who's been through multiple iterations nice. uh, of what it means to be in and out of love and it's just yeah. there's, a, there's a deep sort of angst to her that cool. i uh yeah. that's not whiny and i, yeah. I like that yeah. a lot Tom, honorable mention, who do you got? All right, real quick story. So like I recently pulled a lot of music onto like a little SD card that I put in my truck and SD cards have gotten like way bigger over the past few years. So like my truck's a 2015 and I stuffed this card full of music in it and it kind of didn't know what to do. It kind of choked on it for a second. Yeah, it's 512 gigabytes. It's like, whoa, 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 what are we doing here? And so it went to the first folder under A and it just started playing all the tracks in order while it was updating itself on the back end. And so I I got a deep exposure to Aretha Franklin and and bill like this is one of what you were just saying like this is an artist like i've always meant to like spend some time with never really got around and then my truck forced me to and i was so glad it did (laughs) (laughs) like i I couldn't even tell you like titles of the songs i I just started with a and it went from there and i was like yeah wow like i'm gonna get a a forced exposure here to aretha franklin i like really really dug it like i would recommend aretha for like you know next time you want to do some deep listening if you got a few hours to kill and you can sit yeah. in a dark room and just listen oh my god that woman's voice is fantastic That's one of the oh all-time great voices i love it yeah absolutely <laughs> uh so for, so my honorable mention i'm going to go with first is um i actually i've mentioned her in a in when we did our desert island albums episode so that's why i didn't really get into her this time uh, but Susie sue of uh, Susie and the banshees is definitely on there big fan of the band big fan of her sound in particular um she was very much kind of the voice of this like new wave kind of proto goth proto emo kind of this weird sound 
that kind of came out of nowhere. You weren't quite sure if she was like half fairy or not, just because of the nature of her sound. It was kind of this very weird kind of almost like it's almost like if like if like a human could sing through a theremin, right? It would be Susie Sue. It was that kind of just a really unearthly sound, but it matched the music of the band perfectly. And I just dug the sound so much. Like I I think I think one of the reasons why I don't know more more female artists from that time is because I spent all my time listening to Susie Sue. <laughs> and and uh, once once our editor, Derek, uh, introduced me to that band, I was all over. I was just like, I just couldn't get enough of that band. I really, really freaking enjoyed it. So Susie Sue definitely is my, my first uh, honorable mention. Next honorable mention, uh, Chris, back to you. Who do you got? I've got to go with Chrissy Hind, The Pretenders. Awesome. Solid yep. choice, yes. Uh, she is a uh, genius of a musician, a uh, wonderful sound and identity and uh independence to her like yeah she's a front woman who exists apart from her band you know much like joan jett yeah yes joe who do you got uh i am going to uh jump in with uh pat benatar Um, (laughs) there you go as a kid of the 80s uh, I loved her stuff. We belong. I adore. Yeah. I, I love yeah. the girl power yeah. stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, earlier in her career, you know, with the girl. Group Battlefield stuff. is the best song ever. It really is. <laughs> no, I, just, I, I, I dig it so much. It's totally good tune. So, uh, Tom, who do you have? Probably Carol King. I, I've said a lot about her on earlier episodes, but uh, just yeah, the 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 context and in, into which she puts her voice. Uh, a lot of it's just so genuine and like. She's the singer songwriter. She's the singer songwriter. She wrote everybody's stuff. Yeah. 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 So outstanding. For my next pick, I'll go with uh, Dolores O'Rourke uh, from the Cranberries. Who Thank you. Again, who again, I would have picked, but we mentioned her just recently in the in the Rock and Peace episode. Her voice just shakes the leaves off off the tree. It's, it's she's so fantastic. She really kind of captures the 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 deep sadness that exists within every irish voice <laughs> and uh there is a great video out there you should look it up on youtube where she's just live in the studio singing she's covering um fleetwood max uh, go your own way and she's just just man forced to be reckoned with like it's just it's so so good so sad we lost her um and i just adore the music she put together so uh one more time around chris uh <laughs> give us another honorable mention real quick before we go uh. You know, you just tempted me with Stevie Nicks, but I'm going to go with Nina Person. Do you guys remember the Cardigans? Yes. Yeah. You love me, Sam. Yes. Yeah, you love me. Yeah. Nina Person was uh, the front woman for that band, and she has such a lovely, delicate, and unique voice. Well, I don't know if it's unique, but yeah, I, I do love it. She was dating Mark Linkus, uh, the the sort of the guy behind Sparkle Horse, for a while before he killed himself and and she sang harmonies on his albums that were heartbreaking and and yeah. and just live in my head constantly all the time i'll have to, I'll have to give her, her voice is is in my head all the time i'll have to check that out so uh joe who do you have uh final yeah uh mention? two two quick name checks i was gonna i thought melissa etheridge was on my list and yeah. Enya and, uh, was on my list just because there was a time it was on my list too right yes i enjoyed the atmosphere <laughs> and stuff. sade uh, <laughs> Dimois. but I, I i have to go i think with uh with janet jackson um all right just because um when i was in high school in the late 80s nasty. Uh, early 90s rhythm nation was rhythm nation. a bolt from the blue yeah in a lot of ways when she broke away from the the, the jackson family you know yeah. mafia there and and did her own thing and 
as a performer, as a spectacle was, was there was in a lot of ways, she was like the only thing as big as Madonna in the, in the late eighties, early nineties. Yeah, uh, yeah. She was pretty um, huge. Totally yeah. She pretty, you know, pretty and, huge. And, 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 she you know, honestly, there was like, she, she had chops. She could, she could yeah. do it. No, for sure um, she did. So it was unfortunate what happened, how she kind of got, uh, you know, that ended badly for her, things that weren't entirely her fault. And <laughs> yeah. uh, Justin Timberlake, you bastard. Yeah. Speaking of like, those damn Disney kids. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Tom, what have you got for a final honorable mention? You know who I wish we got more from was Amy Winehouse. Um, mm. I, I so dug like, you know, hearing that yeah. first bit from her. And then just like uh, that, that was another breath of fresh air. And then yeah. it just like that. I'm like, oh, come yeah. on. Yeah. I want more. I, I need more. That was great. I, I can't listen to the song Rehab though, because it just makes me it makes so me too hard. sad. It's real. It, it, it's 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 too sad, and it's like I just I don't really know anything about addiction. I haven't faced it personally, um, really up close. That sort of thing. I've been largely spared from it. Um, but I think about a lot that a lot when I think about Amy Winehouse and how she was facing like real serious demons, and she seemed to be aware enough of it to it, it made its way into her into her art. And it just seemed it just seemed like the face of somebody who is on a path that has only one end and she kind of knew it and couldn't get off. And and it's just it's just really, really freaking sad. It's horrible. But she I, I love how she was bringing Bless back her. that kind of like that 60s. Like she was almost bringing back a lot of like like almost like what the Ronettes yeah, were yeah. doing. You know, there was yeah, a lot of that. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Oh, yeah, no. That, and it was just homage. Like she, that kind yeah, of she style of it. music. And it was fantastic. Hell yeah, absolutely. So. All right, so for my final honorable mention, I'm going to go with uh, Amy Lee of Evanescence. I really just had the one album. Of her sound, this, this big, bold, kind of you know, full-throated sound. Um, I loved how it matched with the instrumentation, and that that was really what kind of blew me away a whole lot. Um, she's a great singer, but it was a great great singer with a sound that I never expected to hear that kind of singing with. I loved metal when I was growing up, uh, but you never had female vocalists attached to it, really. And so that kind of opened me up to a whole new avenue of music and and now there's like a ton of women who are fronting uh, metal bands and the, the sounds are fantastic and it's really really great stuff and um i think she had uh, i could be wrong music historians may prove me uh, you know incorrect here but i just get the sense that she kind of helped open doors for this this the notion of people being aware of or being ready for a really great bold female voice against a really hard rock and growly like 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 specifically metal, like beyond hard rock, but like a metal type sound. Yeah, uh, it was it was really kind of cool. It's kind of like 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 heart, and then like a couple of steps beyond in terms of like the you know the, the the anger of the of the sound. But um, yeah, I really dug it and really dug her sound. So apparently she's making children's music now, which is kind of an interesting turn. But <laughs> uh, more success to her. Ruffy. Like yeah, seriously, seriously. So banana phone. Uh, anyway, so before we wrap up, a, fi- <laughs> a final thought. In 2018, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame finally inducted sister Rosetta Tharp into its ranks. Now, Tharp is largely unknown, despite being a major influence to the likes of Elvis Presley, Chuck Berry, Little Richard, and Bob Dylan. She was a queer black woman who brought a new sound with an electric guitar, a voice that would not quit, and deep gospel roots. And she brought it all to a world that frankly wasn't ready for any of those things. It's great that she was recognized some 45 years after she died for essentially inventing rock and roll, but the fact that it took the Hall of Fame that long to get to her shows just how much work it has to do in addressing the significant gender imbalance in the modern pop music industry. To that end, just about every artist we discussed here in this episode has not been inducted into the Hall of Fame. And before we quibble about genre and that some of these artists aren't really rock artists, whatever, genre isn't the issue. Never has been, never will be. 
The truth is, popular music has been a boys' club for a long, long time. And so, as the Hall of Fame takes its time inducting those who should be inducted, it's going through a largely male roster. And that is only perpetuating an imbalance that has no reason to be perpetuated. If the Hall of Fame really wants to do something about it, they could consider inducting just a few from the following list. Alanis Morissette, Ella Fitzgerald, Celine Dion, Karen Carpenter, Patsy Cline, Tori Amos, Bette Midler, Connie Francis, Roberta Flack, Carly Simon, Kate Bush, Tina Turner, The Go-Go's, Dolly Parton, Tanya Tucker, Loretta Lynn, The Runaway, Shaka Khan, Barbara Streisand, uh, Pat Benatar, Grace Jones, Melissa Etheridge, The Runaways, The Eurythmics, Sinead O'Connor, Kylie Minogue, Mary J. Blige, Cheryl Crow, Sleater Kinney, Mariah Carey, The Dixie Chicks, PJ Harvey. The list goes on and on. And you know what? Just induct the entire list already. That would be a fine way to start. This has been Moments of Truth. On behalf of myself, Tom, Chris, and Joe, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Moments of Truth is hosted by Bill Coffin, Chris Crenshaw, Tom Hespos, and Joe Pace. This podcast is edited by Derek Eisenhart. For more Moments of Truth, be sure to subscribe to this show wherever you get your favorite podcasts, or visit us at www.momentsoftruth.show. And before you go, please check out Joe's award-winning, best-selling novel, Moss, described by Kirkus Reviews as, quote, an excellent and thoughtful exploration of art, ambition, and mortality, as the illegitimate son of a literary giant deals with love, loss, and the struggle to find himself. Order Moss today through Amazon.com or your local bookseller.